Hello and welcome to another installment of Tops 10, brought to you by KTXT Radio and the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech University in beautiful Lubbock. Tops 10 seeks out successful and influential people in politics and government, the many professions, the physical and social sciences, or the arts and humanities, and asks them to reveal their lives, ideas, and ideals through their playlist. Our format is simple. We ask our guests what 10 or so pieces of music mean the most to them and to tell us the story behind the infatuation. I'm David Perlmutter, a professor at and dean of the college and the originator and sometimes host of Tops 10. Today I have with me a good friend and colleague of mine, Dr. Todd Chambers, chair of our Department of Journalism and Electronic Media. Todd is also known among our students as, quote, the rockin'est dude ever, end quote. As you'll see, that reputation is well-deserved. Todd, welcome. Hello. Todd, you're somebody who has lived a life of music as well as being an educator, a scholar, an administrator, all the things that cover being at a university. It always struck me that... Uh, if you remember, there was a story by Oscar Wilde called A Picture of Dorian Gray. It's been made into other mm-hmm. media movies. And in it, there's a guy who stays the same age, young, forever, because he's got this picture that ages and ages and ages. Well, on a college campus, if you're a professor, as you know, it's the opposite. You know, we get older, fatter, lose our hair, but all everybody else stays 18 forever and ever and ever. And one of the problems is, of course, in, in the classroom, we uh, we talk about cultural references to make points and then as the years go by we suddenly realize oh my god these kids weren't even born when i'm making my funny star wars reference or i'm talking about a piece of music you know i remember the very first time i referred to uh, i thought a very interesting point made in a bruce springsteen song and i could see the wave of non-recognition like is he talking about like louis Cator's, you know hymns or something what 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 is this this old guy telling us about in music. Have you had that moment there in a classroom where you realize, wow, these kids don't know what are my favorites? Oh, no, no question. Um, you know, it seems like every year my pop culture references get older and older and older. I remember uh, in class, uh, this has been 10 years ago, and I was talking about the television show Friends, and uh, it, it dawned on me that Friends had been off the air for almost a decade when I mentioned that. And the students, you know, like you were saying, were just looking at me like going, what are you talking about? That show in reruns, you know? And, and uh, but music, uh, you know, for me, I, I do like to start a class, for example, at the beginning of the semester, and I'll, I'll come in and I will play some sort of rock and roll song, and I'll, I will try to get students fired up uh, r- related to that. And it all goes back to, um, I guess just growing up for me, because music has been such a part of my life. And, um, you know, for me, uh, probably some of the songs that uh, define me are probably people would call them hair metal. Because I remember when I was in in, um, a freshman in high school. I'm not sure everybody in the audience knows how funny, funny, funny that reference is. Exactly. I mean, exactly. (laughs) Hair metal. They're like, what? But I'll never forget when uh, I was. I'm sorry. uh, I'm going to have to say this, Todd. Yeah. You are clean shaven. Let's put it that way. I, I, I mean, de- I'm bald. You're clean shaven. I'm Let's definitely put, I, clean I, I, I'll generously give you that. How's that? All and right. so that's the irony here. Hair metal is one of my most favorite genres now, of music. Now, I think you have to explain to our younger listeners the hair part of hair metal. Well, I will say this much. Uh, back in the day, when I was 18, 
when I was 18 years old, when I had a, my last full head of hair, I had long hair. I think people would describe it as a mullet. And uh, so I had the hair streaming down the back. I had it combed back. I used things like mousse. And uh, I love to put mousse in my hair. And who knows, maybe that's the reason why I'm now clean shaven. <laughs> But uh, I'll never forget in high school, I was, I was so proud of myself because uh, my friends and I discovered a album, a long playing record, which again, that's another reference that students don't, don't understand today. And I'll never forget, it was an album um, by a Canadian band called Loverboy. And uh, the song that was playing on the radio at the time was a song called Turn Me Loose. And, um, but I was so excited because I went to the local uh, uh, dime store in, in Brownville, Texas, and uh, uh, picked up the album. And it was such a cool album cover. You know, it uh, uh, was red, and, and it, had just, it, was the, it was the first album by Loverboy. But the first track on that album is a song called The Kid Is Hot Tonight. And uh, it, when we were sophomores in high school, our English teacher who was a huge Beatles fan and I remember when uh, John Lennon died I mean Miss Walker was just she was she was in mourning and grieving just like many other people um, she gave me an assignment though she wanted us to, ex- to to find poetry and music well being the sophomore being the 15 year old young man that I was that was mature I said you know what I'm gonna do the kid is hot tonight by lover boy you know now, now I have to ask this <laughs> Uh, did you bring home The Kid is Hot Tonight by Loverboy in a brown paper wrapper and sneak it up to your room, or were your parents sort of open to this new ex- exploration no, of your musical taste? That was my ACDC uh, 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 Back in Black album. That was the one I, I brought home, and uh, they were horrified that I would buy ACDC. Uh, but no, Loverboy... Um, uh, they were okay with that because I played that. I, I guarantee you, I've worn out that album, and uh, it was probably the first CD I bought uh, on, on 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 like a CD, um, and then um, just have have enjoyed listening to that that album over and over again. But the kid is hot tonight. It's definitely probably my all time favorite song off that off that album. How do you listen to music now? Uh, we have so many venues and, and ways that we can hear music in our lives. Uh, I see people in airports. I see students walking along the street. They're, they've got their earbuds in. They're listening to something all the time. We're probably listening to music more now, quantitatively, than ever before. 
you said in class you play music. Where else is music part of your life? Just about everywhere. Um, my colleagues, uh, both uh, next door and below me and above me, probably uh, here. Um, I've got a uh, my iTunes library. I think is up to like. Um, 23 days worth of music. So if I were to track it from the start to the finish, I could do that. But I'll, I'll listen to music. Yes, I, I have the grievances <laughs> by the your next door mates. Uh, that I'm, in fact, I wanted to resolve them on this show. Okay. You know, they have a list. They have an anti-play list for you okay. of things they don't want you to play anymore. In fact, there's a cease and desist order on several. Of them. Well, I, I have no doubt about that. Uh, my, my daughters uh, in the morning. We, we um, um, I'm proud to say that I'm that parent that pulls up to their element in their junior high school and with Sammy uh, Davis Jr. blasting away is that what you do to your children Todd? Sammy Hagar Sammy, Sammy Hagar, Hagar. Okay. so uh, uh, or have they told you dad stop playing that song oh yes my oldest my oldest who's in junior high she uh, every time we pull up to her school she turns the music down <laughs> she turns the radio down so she's at that stage where she, I guess she's kind of embarrassed of her old man. I don't know. But uh, no, I listen to music. Um, I've got an iPod. I've got, uh, I listen to it at work. I listen to it in my car. I listen to it um, uh, on my my tablet, my Kindle. I listen to it. Uh, music music is part of our, our lives as a family. Uh, but um, I think it's uh, it's been part of my life since childhood. And, and I mean, I remember growing up and it was uh, part of uh, who we were as a family and my, my grandparents parents, for example, I grew up on a farm outside of uh, Brownfield, Texas, and um, my grandparents lived in town at that time. We were the, my, my, my family lived out on the farm, but uh, they lived in town, so they were big city folk to us. But every Saturday night, they hosted a uh, musical get-together. They invited their friends and family members that um, some of them had fiddles, others would play the, the stand-up piano that was in my grandmother's uh, and grandparents' uh, granddad's uh, uh, living room. Uh, some would bring like a stand-up bass. They would bring uh, different types of uh, instruments, guitars, bass guitars, and just play. And it was, um, it was a lot of fun. And I remember growing up just thinking how special that was uh, to me and, and how much that influenced me as, as where I am today. So I guess since the time I was a baby, a toddler, they would have these, but even you know, even when I was in college and they were they were still alive, I remember that uh, they wouldn't do it as frequently. But uh, for sure, every every month, one Saturday a month, they would host a um, uh, get together, a musical get together at their house. Now, farmers have a reputation with everybody, including other farmers, as not being the most chirpy, optimistic people, you know, <laughs> which is often well-deserved considering the vagaries of weather and, you know, government programs and uh, mosquitoes and uh, grasshoppers and such. Uh, is there, you know, I, I can think of cowboy songs. Now, can you have on your playlist a, 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 playlist a couple of Farmer songs. Yes. Can you tell tell us what these farmer songs mean to you? And what do they? What is a farmer song? A farming well, song. You know, it's, it's it's I've got. Like I said, it's it's for me. There's some nostalgia. Uh, there, there's a song by a local uh, family. It's a, a, a group called the Mains Brothers, and. Um, I'm very proud of the musical heritage around uh, the panhandle of Texas, and especially Lubbock. And, and the Mains Brothers Band are part of that. Uh, they have played and they've covered some some great artists. Um, like a, there's a singer-songwriter named Terry Allen, and one of Terry Allen's songs is called uh, Flatland Farmer. And uh, that song is uh, was covered by the Mains Brothers, and, and they played it. And uh, I remember 
how much when I first heard the words to that song, how much it meant to me, because uh, for me, what a farmer song is, and especially like this uh, Flatland Farmer song, it, it talks about the hardships, but it also talks about that there is this can-do attitude and um, that I don't want to call it arrogance, but, you know, a flatland farmer, they live through a lot of hard times and they make it through. And to me, that's what that song is all about. By the way, I'm sort of new when this show has been recorded. I've only been about five and a half, uh, five months or so at Texas Tech and in West Texas. And I can, I really feel that's part of the culture here, a sort of roll up your sleeves and, yep, that's a big problem. That's a big obstacle, but I'm just going to take care of it and uh, not to talk too much about how tough it was and just do it and move on, right? That's right. And I, I you know, uh, my dad is my, my hero because that's what he has exhibited throughout his entire life, and that's what he exhibited to me. And uh, for me, a song like Flatland Farmer sort of reminds me of who my dad is. Without them city ways Get with the flatland farmer Who black picks an old guitar Yeah Get with the flatland farmer Who black picks an old guitar Yeah, folks you want to in the music row It's the long dirt first Where the cotton grows any of them Nashville stars. Now, I know there's some other farmer songs that maybe have some different spirit to it. Uh, specifically, you told me that one of your favorite songs, or rather one of the songs that's had a lot of influence in your life, is uh, one by another, uh, I guess, a Midwestern uh, musician, John Cougar Mellencamp, very associated with Indiana and with farming. Actually, right. it was famous during the farm crisis as being one of the people who, uh, of the 1980s who did some singing and trying to get attention to the plight of farmers at that time. That's right. And, and I'll never forget when um, I, I was a fan of uh, John Cougar, right, uh, before he uh, went with his uh, full name, I guess. But... Um, my parents, it was interesting, and, and my parents are, are two people that I don't think anybody would have ever imagined that because uh, their personalities don't fit the profile of someone who would go to Washington, D.C. and participate in the American Agriculture Movement's protest in D.C. back in the 70s, but they did. They uh, uh, The 70s and 80s um, 
were, were tough. It was a, a tough economy. It was it was a, a tough time. And uh, my parents uh, left my, my sister and I with my grandparents, and uh, they spent a week in D.C. where farmers rode tractors. You know, they uh, uh, participated in these massive marches on, on Washington. And so when I was in college and, and Mellencamp came out with uh, the Scarecrow album, um, you know, there, there was there there was a lot of pop culture references to to the bad economy. There were movies. Um, I think there was a, a movie uh, uh, with Mel Gibson in it called The River, and other movies talking about just families in crisis. And when when Scarecrow came out, um, I actually heard it um, on the top thirty on KTXT radio back when I was in uh, 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 in college here. But I went out, I bought that album. And uh, that Rain on the Scarecrow, that song, to me, it talks all about, you know, how the banks foreclose on a farm. But it also talks about just, you know, the heartbreak of that. But it also, again, I think talks about what Mellencamp sees and has seen over his career is that there's an attitude among farmers that we're going to make it. And... uh, for me, it's 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 a, a protest song. Protest song for me. It's a it's a song that that's extremely political. It it, it sort of represents who I am and um, how much that that I want to champion. Uh, I think the plight of, of farmers and uh, and to me, Scarecrow. It's great for the Midwest, but it's also great for right around here in Lubbock, Texas. Well, let's let's play it, and then I have a couple. I have a question about the politics of Scarecrow. Rain on the Scarecrow, and I was a kid growing up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I was bo- actually born in Switzerland, came to suburbs of Philadelphia, so I'd never, I mean, I ate food, <laughs> and actually growing up in Switzerland, you have much more of a connection to food, because, you know, there was, I don't think there was refrigeration at that time, or I mean, maybe it was an icebox or something, but you you bought food fresh every day, and mm-hmm. there were farms much closer to where mm-hmm. people lived, so I remember actually visiting farms, and yeah, that's a cow, and that's where the milk comes from, and there's the wheat, you know, and there's there's and that's how they make the cheese, especially. Most Americans by the 1970s and 80s, and certainly today, are completely removed from agriculture. I mean, you probably have 90% of kids just think all food comes in boxes and plastic from, from the trees. Uh, when, when people were, farmers were protesting, what were they protesting about, if you can take us back there, and, and who were they trying to get the attention of? Well, the federal government at the time, this was this was at a time when 
the farm subsidy programs, uh, the different types of federal programs that, that were going out. Uh, you had uh, new international competition for a lot of different types of commodities that were rolling out. And for us in, in, on the South Plains, cotton obviously is, is, is the crop. I mean, you go around about a 90-mile radius of Lubbock, and if we were to define countries in terms of uh, production of cotton, I think this area I've read would be the number three or number two largest country in the world based on cotton production alone. Well, the problem was is that the, unfortunately, the way farming works is that, you know, you uh, at that time in the 70s, especially, you started to have to take out loans to cover your costs for planting and and doing all that. Well, the price of cotton, they were a, a, about to fix that price of cotton because they wanted to open up the marketplace and allow, you know, there was all kinds of uh tariffs and uh, you had trade agreements and and you tried to you had new new participants from South America from Asia and others that were trying to sell their cotton in in the market and it really sort of um, added to the financial woes I think of just the small family farmer and I think really in in the in the 1970s especially is when you started seeing that first um, I shouldn't say the first, but it, sort of that, that that I felt that I saw that loss of family farms and that uh, family farmers were sort of being forced out of the market because they couldn't afford to pay the bills to plant. And then once if they borrowed enough money, whatever price they got for the cotton wasn't enough to pay back the loans. And so over time that developed. And I think that can was, I ask you, though, yeah. about about Brandon the Scarecrow, mm-hmm. because I, I think one big question about protest music mm-hmm is whether the music gets in the way of the message. And sometimes you, you, you don't know that if you're in the middle of the, the protest. You know, I was, I, the other day I was listening to Bob Dylan's uh, The Times They Are Changing, mm-hmm. and I was thinking nobody, in fact, one, in fact I, th- I guess this is what makes it a great song, is that it doesn't matter when it was recorded. Right. That is, it could be about change at any time. You know, right. we could play that song at, at universities because we know we we have a lot of changing to do, and I, we could just play that as our new anthem of like we need to change. You know, <laughs> that's right. Uh, did it help protests? I mean, do you think that people, myself, you know, maybe I, I think I was probably in my my teens listening to that song. I guess a lot of people were aware the farmers were doing pretty badly, and it it, it did help make me aware of that, but. Well, Did it help the farmers? I think uh, I think yes, and I think it was less about quote unquote protests, but more about advocacy. And you know, if you remember back in the mid '80s, that John Mellencamp and Willie Nelson started the Farm Aid program, and they would host that concert every year. And I think that this songs like this and albums like that were able to uh, make more people aware of what was going on. Um, has it changed? I don't know. For me, my dad has, uh, he just retired this year. Uh, this is the, the this will be the first time he, he quote unquote wanted to retire last year. He said he retired last year, but he still farmed this year. But this is his first year to farm. And one of the pieces of land that, uh, uh, that our family has been on uh, has been farming. Um, we farmed with another family for 86 years, and it's just it's just amazing to imagine that uh, over multiple generations that uh, he was able to make it, and uh, the Chambers have been farming uh, in the Terry County area for 86 years. Well, let's talk about that, Heritage. A lot of people who are in the world of music, and you're going to talk about your, ba- your, your creation of music, your band days very soon. 
a lot of people coming out of the world of music come first from church. I'm thinking in modern day, I've heard Katy Perry started first singing in church, and Avril Lavigne started first singing in church. Uh, your mother worked at the she still does church. Yes, right? worked in the church. You yeah. must have been in church and heard the tr- the, oh, the music. Oh no, no, as probably one of your first experiences. Could you maybe talk about? Uh, how you got into music, but maybe the relationship between religious music and then this. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to make a parallel between you know the old rugged sure. cross and uh, sure. Lover Boy, sure. but uh, <laughs> well, it's funny. Good music is good music, though, right? That's right, and uh, it's 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 funny you mention that because that that's another I think big part of of who I am. Um, and uh, for me, uh, I grew up in the church. I was pretty much in church. Uh, when they opened the doors, it seemed like. And um, so growing up, I was able to participate in youth choir. I was able to participate in the uh, – even in Brownfield, Texas, we um, I, we had a forward-thinking um, Baptist uh, minister of music who started an orchestra. And so for a small town like Brownfield, I mean, here I was, and I brought in my, my drum kit, and I also brought in – he would bring in the – we'd borrow the high school timpani, uh, the kettle drums, and uh, we had coronets, we had a brass section, we had – uh, winds and we had all that and that was that was that was pretty big so I grew up also with a strong love and passion for uh, a Christian music and and I love the old classics uh, I love the songs like you mentioned the old rugged cross and amazing grace what I love most about music today though uh, is I'm excited for my children because the music today I think in Christian music um, it is something that I think, a young generation is is excited to hear, and um, one of the songs that that one of the bands that I listen to a lot is called Switchfoot, and Switchfoot has a song called Dark Horses um, that for me again it, it, it sort of fits in. This and they're theme. a Christian band. They are a Christian band, but they, what, they've what, made it popular. What defines somebody as a Christian band? I mean, that, that all the music has a message no I, I think um, um, I think I think yes I think some for some people that's what it is but I think it's um, um, you, a band like switchfoot I mean if you were to listen to the song uh, dark horses which again plays on multiple types of radio stations uh, it's like you said earlier I mean it's it's a song is a song and good good songs will go across not only generations but also formats Let, let's listen to dark horses and then I'm going to ask you what the message is. Mistakes. I see my heart cave in. I got my scar hearts. I've been to hell and back again. Born for the blue skies, we'll survive the rain. Born for the sunrise, we'll survive the pain. We're singing, hey, you can't count. somebody take away besides it's a good tune and good lyrics from dark horses well it's uh you know for me when, when i look back I, I i think sometimes in 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 particular like the christian music genre you know uh, dark horses where 
you know, just like every other genre of music, everybody fights for that niche, you know, and, and not only from a um, um, a financial perspective, but but also from a audience perspective. And uh, for me, what Dark Horses is about is someone that, um, again, is uh, kind of playing it under the radar doesn't look for necessarily attention, but the dark horse is always going to win the race. You always pull for those dark horses. And I'll never forget in, in my days in radio when um, um, I was a um, radio DJ here in, in Love. I started out and I started out in Brownfield, but I, I transitioned to Lubbock and, and worked at a radio station here. Um, there was we actually had a radio consultant who came in and we had meetings. He would listen to our air checks and, and do all that. And he uh he brought me into his meeting one day, and we had a conversation. He goes, Todd, he goes, you know, you're good bargain talent. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and he said, well, you know, you're great for the station. You bring in great ratings. But we know that we can keep you around here because um, you're not going to go anywhere. So you're good bargain talent. What a stirring compliment. You know, that must have really lifted your spirits there. Well, I'll be honest. Uh, that was one of the reasons that when I went to grad school for, for my PhD, I wanted to go into consulting because I wanted to prove to that consultant, I wanted to say, guess what? Here's your bargain talent. I'm going to take your job from you. That's, that's not, that is not a Christian way to do things. But uh, to me, that, that's, that's kind of been who I am. I was never, you know, the first picked for, uh, you know, the, the, the football, you know, the backyard football team. I was in the middle or I was near the end. You know, I'm not very talented athletically, but um, I've always I've always tried to be that dark horse. And for me, that's what that song represents is that I, I'm going to finish the race. And I, so you decided to be part of the race in music and not just be a listener, right. but uh, you started a band? Well, we um, – um, I was – I was uh, – a. I started in junior high playing the drums. I was a percussionist in junior high and high school. Loved playing the drums. I got my first drum kit, I guess, when I was an eighth grader. Um, the and drums are one of those things where I, I assume for a family, the, the learning curve is pretty tense. <laughs> You know, as people learn how to play the drums. My parents quickly bought drum pads, which muffled the muffled the oh, sound okay. of the drums. So, uh, yeah, that that lasted without the drum pads. That lasted about a week, and then they went to Lubbock and invested in some rubber drum pads so that I wouldn't play so loud. But uh, it's funny because uh, uh, I started a band with um, some guys from church when uh, I was in junior high, and um, but then some of my friends from from school. Uh, they wanted to start a band too, and they were my my friends were listening to ACDC and all that, and so we, the friends of mine in my church band, we practiced, and the house across the alley was uh, one of my good friends, and I remember one day, I guess I just, you know, felt the the call of peer pressure, and I quit the band from my church friends, and I went. In uh, next, or went to the house behind the alley, and uh, we started. We turned all our amplifiers back towards that, and uh, we started playing ACDC records. But uh, one of uh, um, then that band ended, and then in high school we started a, a, a new band, and uh, we were called Breaking Glass. But we did get to play the uh, Texan Dome over in uh, at South Plains College over in Leveland. 
But one of the songs that, that we, we played and, and uh, really dug this song, it's called, uh, the, it's called Destroyer by the Kinks. And uh, that song is so cool, but it brings back so many memories of that band at that time uh, as a sophomore in high school just playing, you know, really cool music. And, and I listened to that song as well. In fact, I think the Kinks were the only band that I would classify as cool for all the constituencies in my high school. There were a lot of bands which were particular to, you know, the drama kids or the football kids or something like that, but the, it seemed everybody thought the Kinks were pretty cool. That's right. And, you know, the, the Kinks have had such a, a neat history. And, uh, you know, I think of the more poppy songs like Come Dancing and, and, and records like that. But I go back and, you know, I love records like Do It Again. And, but Destroyer for me is my favorite Kinks song. All right, let's listen to Destroyer. Took her back to my place Feeling guilty, feeling scared Hidden cameras everywhere Stop! Hold on Stay in control There's a whole list out there on the internet. I've seen them of lyrics that people get wrong all the time, like they repeat. <laughs> like the other day, I realized that I had been listening to Sweet Home Alabama for, I don't know, 30 years, and I had mistranslated about 10 lines in the song. You know, And I, it's funny, I never actually looked up the lyrics. I just listened to them. What are they destroying in Destroyer? <laughs> I have, and, and that, that's funny you mentioned that because uh, my wife Barbie, she uh, uh, got onto me in our early days in, in, in courtship because she was like, "You know all these songs, but you know the you don't know the words to them." <laughs> I was like, "That's right." <laughs> I just sing along and I sort of make up stuff. Yeah, Destroyer. That that's one of those songs that um, I don't know, but it, it's still just it it to me it just uh, Lola and. That girl, you know, and and you try to try to think about those things. Of course, I don't think any wife wants to be told that Lola is that's right. the song that inspires. That's right. The, your love, you know. So. <laughs> no question. So you did not uh, decide to go to uh, New York or Nashville to to be the great uh, <laughs> band, but you did go to college, which I'm sure your parents must have been happy that, that turned out that way. But music was still part of your life in college. Oh, oh, no, no question. Did my undergraduate here at Texas Tech University? You know, during that time, you meet so many people with so many different types of interest. I'll never forget that that one of the songs that I really got into or one of the bands that I really got into and in, in, in part because you'd go to you go to friends houses or things like that and one of the big things to do was to watch the wall you know and you know that that classic movie the wall but for me really getting into Pink Floyd at that time I had a, a 
some friends that were in a, a Pink Floyd tribute band uh, at that time, and and so they would do the wall. There were about three thousand of us, <laughs> I recall. I think I think so. At least it was like an industry. <laughs> you, know, you know, even in Lubbock, Texas, there was a Pink Floyd tribute band. But uh, but going out and just experiencing that, and um, it was it's funny. You know, Pink Floyd when when my when my wife and I got married. She surprised me. She knew I was a Pink Floyd fan, and she surprised me. Um, literally, we'd been married like less than a month, and I got home from work one day, and there were these pink flamingos that were uh, in the house, and each one of them had, uh, or out in the yard, and each one of them had a little note on it, like a clue, and it led me back, and I opened up when I found it, and it was a pair of tickets to uh, Pink Floyd's uh, uh, tour back in the, the mid-1990s. The real Pink Floyd. They uh, played in Dallas, but that was her first gift to me. And so I actually got to go see uh, Comfortably Numb live in concert, which uh, I think is my favorite Pink Floyd song. Say is the difference between listening to music and watching music. Um, I'll say this: I, I've I've only been shockingly to only one concert in my entire life. I went to a Bad Company concert. Really? At the time, Bad Company was a huge band, you know, running with the pack and all uh-huh. that. And I just hated the experience. It was just so loud. And of course, this was, I believe, the '80s. Everybody was, except me, because I was the straight kid. And also the designated driver was smoking marijuana and drinking, which I didn't do either. Um, and which I, I was popular, but like falsely popular because like they just needed somebody to drive. And in fact, I found out later that other kids would tell their parents, it's okay because Perlmutter is going to be there to drive. So that would be one of the ways that they would get permission to go to these concerts. I was a lot, know. I was a yeah. lot like you. I, yeah. I, uh, no, I did, I did. Do things, um, 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 but when I went to a concert, I was there to enjoy the the concert. For me, I, I love live events. Um, I, I I can't imagine how many different concerts that that I've been able to go to. Uh, my wife and I once calculated uh, between the two. Actually, just for she and I, we had seen like two hundred and seventy five bands or something live um, in, in in concert. Um, but for me, it's 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 just that rush of excitement from you know ten thousand other fans that are just waiting to see it. You know, my first concert ever was uh, uh, a thirty-eight special concert, and I got in trouble because I wasn't supposed to go because 
you know, we just drove up to Lubbock and caught that, that concert. It was a killer concert. And I'll never forget that that moment. But quite frankly, Pink Floyd, the whole experience, the whole show with everything from the lights, it's just all it's it's just really put together very well and, and it's about the experience. It's much more than just the music, it's it's the experience. Now you've been mentioning your wife. Mm-hmm. The love of your life is as, right. as I've heard many times. That's right. Did music play a role in Oh no question. Meeting this young lady? No question. My wife and I, Barbie, she and I met. I was uh, working at, at a radio station here, and uh, she was still in college. She, I always like to claim that she was a groupie. Uh, she likes to say that she was my only fan. But I'll never forget when we met, uh, I was working middays, and uh, at the radio station, there was a the front door. You could walk in, and you could see into the DJ booth. And so I'll never forget when she walked in one day, I would always sort of hot button the receptionist and say, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Well, Barbie actually came out to the station um, and I was actually in the receptionist area and she had won um, a Halloween prize pack or something and was able to uh, give her two of those Halloween prize packs. Well, she ended up working at the radio station as our director for call out research but uh, what I quickly found out about Barbie is her love for music. And uh, we had kind of similar backgrounds with, with uh, music and musical taste, and we really hit it off. But uh, when we, uh, uh, throughout our courtship, I guess, uh, that, that period we were dating, I'd make her CDs and, and put songs. But one of the songs that, that we really enjoyed uh, together that I think sort of exemplifies who we are as a couple is, is a Van Morrison uh, tune. And we actually saw it. Uh, we were watching a movie called Prelude to a Kiss. And that song was this song was featured in that movie, and uh, we just we, we we loved the song, and it ended up being in our wedding, and it's uh, "Someone Like You" by Van Morrison. I've been searching a long time, someone exactly like you. I've been traveling all around the world Waiting for you to come through Someone like you Make it all worthwhile Someone like you Keep me satisfied Someone exactly like so is this your special song? Do you play it on your anniversary? Uh, Definitely. We, uh, well, I shouldn't say it like that because that, that's kind of a lie. <laughs> um, we, uh, yes, it's, 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 it's our song. And it's funny, you mentioned Bad Company earlier. Uh, Bad Company had a, another record early in the 1990s that uh, I think is How, How About That and um, another good song that, that we, we, really, we really dug. But uh, no, it's, 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 it's our song. It definitely is. Now, Todd, you've, like any human being, faces some challenges in life, but you had one challenge a little bit earlier in your life that uh, most people do not face, but music helped you there, too. That's right. And um, I I credit my wife for for this. I was uh, diagnosed with stage 4 squamous cell carcinoma at the base of my tongue in November of 2004. Uh, got the phone call that um, the day before Thanksgiving of, of that year 
we were getting ready to pack up the girls uh, and head to grandmother's house. And uh, the girls were in the bathtub, actually. I'd already loaded up our, our minivan with all the luggage. The phone rings. It was the surgeon. And Barbara said, hey, it's, it's the surgeon. So I picked up the phone. I said, hello. And he said, Mr. Chambers, I'm sorry, but you've got cancer. And uh, it was just devastating. Uh, you know, he said a lot of other things at the time. But his last words to me that morning was, try to get some rest over the holiday because we've got a lot to work to do when you get back. And... I was just I was just dumbfounded and I fell to my knees and and just I was terrified of what I'd given my children what I'd passed down to my children my wife who again is a just just my rock and my inspiration one of the well the first thing that she did was she went and found a a CD by Stephen Curtis Chapman who's one of our, our favorite artists and there's a song on there called bring it on and part of that song, it talks about when the lightning flashes and the thunder rolls, if it brings me closer to God, then bring it on. And for my faith, that is something that got me through my cancer. I would listen to that song over and over and over and over again, because without him, there was no way I was going to get through it. And um, for me, that's what that's what the song's about. I didn't come looking for trouble. Fight me this But I'm not gonna hide in a bubble If trouble comes for me I can feel my heart beating faster I can tell something's coming down But if it's gonna make me feel stronger Then bring it on Songs that are deeply important in someone's life may have like a connection that others don't see. What specific lyric, what what words in that song, or what part about the melody did you find inspirational to your struggle? Well, the entirety of that song, it talks about someone who obviously is going through hardship of some kind. For me, it was cancer. But for others, um, you know, and even in Stephen Curtis Chapman's life, I mean, they've lost a little girl that uh, they had adopted, and she was accidentally killed. And, um, of course, this song came out before that, that tragedy. But we all go through trials in life. And, honestly, the, the, the part of that song that really gets to me is, is not, not a lyric. It's actually um, it's the music. And uh, right in the middle, it's where it's just a big, climatic Da da dun da da dun, and I, 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 when I was undergoing radiation, um, the music for me was uh, was it was a blessing because I asked the radiation technicians because I, I had to be on the table for thirty minutes at a time. Ended up with uh, had to go five days a week for uh, thirty eight treatments, and um, I said, I'm going to bring in music. And they said, it's no problem. So they had a jam box in the room, and I would listen to that song, Bring It On, every single time. And uh, I kind of got to where I knew the 
where the machine was right during that point of music, and I just had a piece. And um, uh, that, that's what it means to me. It's, 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 it's not just a single lyric. It's, it's, it's the whole piece. Well, that overcoming spirit, of course, goes back to some of the farm songs that you were talking right. about, the sort of West Texas or Midwest farmers that's right. as well. No question. And um, that's what that, again, that's another part of that song is that it's just going to, we're going to make it through. We're going to get through it. And you did. Thank you, Todd. Thank it's, you. I know that isn't the easiest thing to share, but it's important for people to know about every part of someone's life. And and I, and I want to point out, for those of you who don't know T- Todd Chambers, I didn't know that what you'd gone through when I first came here until I, I learned it later, like a couple of weeks in the job, somebody mentioned that. And I was thinking to myself, wow, of, of all the people in this building who are pretty optimistic, you know, positive people, Todd is like the most cheerful most jocular, most optimistic, most radiating, you know, warmth and enthusiasm person in the building. I think that says something about you, but also is an inspiration to other people around you. Well, and you work a lot in the community on cancer issues, I know. Yeah, well, thank you for that. It's, it's you know, cancer was, um, for anybody, it's, 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 it's a moment that, um, uh, obviously it's a wake-up call, but, you know, for me, we I wanted... I want, regardless, regardless of the outcome, regardless of it, um, I wanted to exhibit hope because that's all we got. You know, we're never, we're not guaranteed, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We only have this moment. We only have today that we can control and we can't live in the past. And so I really, um, I really, that's what I want to share is that we live, we live today and you got to have hope. So that that's what that's what it's all about. All right, you are one hopeful gentleman, and I I appreciate that all the day, every day. I really I get inspired by well, you know what? If I am a little down about something, Todd's always going to be able to uh, to cheer me up. So thank you for that important service to everybody around you. I feel everybody feels that way. Uh, we talk about songs that we play over and over again. I don't think I've asked you yet about your first musical memory. Um, as I understand it, it was the, it was the Rolling Stones again a song I don't a song and albums that I don't necessarily associate with uh, the the heart of West Texas. I, I guess I have a question: Where did you get your music? Was there was there a store in town that yeah. was the you know the licorice pizza or yeah. Sam Goodies? I'm remembering some of the stores of my youth there. We uh, uh, we had like the TGNY and we had a Whackers and we had an Alco. Alco was a uh, chain department store, I guess that they had. In my opinion, the best music selection. But here it was. I've, I've got a younger sister, and um, for Christmas, I guess it's been '78, I guess, and um, she, I, she was so excited about giving me my present that year. How old were you then? Oh goodness, I would have been uh, probably 11 or 12, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I was so excited. I opened up the the. I knew it was a record. You know. It was, not difficult to imagine a square, you know, thin, thin package there, but uh, opened it up and it was uh, the Some Girls album by the Rolling Stones. And Jamie, my sister, 
she she started laughing and she was like, "Yeah, the reason I got that is because the all the there, there's girls in their uh, underwear on it, and uh, you know that album cover is classic." Again, this livened up family Christmas. <laughs> That's in right. I can't Field, imagine. Texas. You hear my mom and dad. You know, a couple years later, were so offended that I brought ACDC, but yet it was okay for me to have this album with you know pictures of women in bras, you know, and and then men in in drag, you know, and that that's but that was okay. Um, no, but 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 I'll never forget it. Going into my room and and having that uh, that that record player, and I would play this song. I would play this whole album track by track over and over and over again. And you know, the first track is "Miss You," and uh, just blew me away to hear that. And um, get oh, just Mick Jagger's vocals, you know, to Keith Richards' uh, guitar and harmonies. It's just. That whole album is classic for me. Well, I have to say, you know, some bands go away. I'm trying to remember the one-hit wonders of my youth. I, I, I still have, I think I still have, a red clear plastic uh, single, a 45. Some of our listeners probably don't even know what I'm talking about, but a single of the day, you know, an iTunes single download before there was iTunes, <laughs> of UFO, Too Hot to Handle. I, oh. I'm pretty sure... That was their one big hit. And I, mean, I know, maybe they're still living on their residuals from that one. Uh, but the Rolling Stones are, I guess, the the one example of, of a band that has just never stopped being popular. Now, I don't go to concerts. Have you been to a Rolling Stone concert in no. the last uh, couple of years? I, I've always wondered, you know, if you, I, I've, I've been, uh, friends of mine have gone to concerts of of bands of their youth, you know, bands from the 70s and 80s, and been struck how there's three generations there. Right. You know, there are people in their 50s, they're their children, and th- then there's their 11-year-olds listening to uh, the music, and whether it's uh, Hart or Bachman Turner Overdrive or something like that. And as I understand, Rolling Stones are that way, too. Do you, do you find that some of the music from your day, when you play it for your students, that they discover it? Like, wow, that's really good music. What's the, what is that band? Every now and then, um, I'll get someone that'll come to my office, for example, say, now, what song was that? Um, and um, some of those bands, though, I, I, I don't know if I could ever convert uh, anyone to become a Loverboy fan, but maybe they'll just sort of hum, you know, a, a song or two. But, um, you know, what I'm trying to do actually for, for myself is I'm trying to make sure that I stay in touch with, with the culture. And uh, so I've really gotten into uh, some bands that, um, uh, you know, I look at a band like, um, uh, for me, was Nirvana. And I was working in radio at the time, and, you know, we were playing those hair bands like Warrant and uh, these other bands that, you know, were just, well, anyway. Um, then Nirvana comes out. And I'll never forget that just hearing that smells like teen spirit from the very first note, just going, yeah, hair bands, y'all are, y'all are gone for a while. And um, uh, I was so impressed though, with that band. And then when. So uh, you were there at the change in a the musical mm-hmm. era 
that you sense that, okay, the kind of music we were playing before. Now, you know, sometimes that doesn't work. I was reading this interesting story about how football stadium playlists mm-hmm. are sort of stuck in the power rock era of the 80s. Right. I think it, I, I'm not sure what team it was. I think it was the, the, the Cleveland team. They said, let's, let's update our playlist. And so when their t- the team came out, oh, the Bengals, right? Okay, Cincinnati Bengals. The team came out, they played Katy Perry's Roar, and they got this huge negative flashback from fans going, what, you know, what happened right. to the power ballads? You know, my power ballad, you know, because the 50-year-old fans, no, I want to hear the power ballad, you know, not Katy Perry's Roar. And so they had to go back to the power ballads. So... Now, this is interesting because, you know, we're both researchers as well as administrators and, and, and teachers. I came across years ago this fascinating little bit of research that I've done a little bit on called generational preferences, which is basically the way our brains work is we sort of lock in what we like by about age 27 or so. And it's very hard to add new things to our playlist. I, I'm, I'm stuck in a playlist. I mean, I, I am playing the same... Bruce Springsteen songs, the same Rolling Stone songs from my youth over and over, and I, that's what I get on iTunes. I add types of songs, but I, I, I'm going back in time, and I add folk songs of the folks, the kind of folk songs I like. So I'm adding new songs, but they're of the same genre and the same era. But you seem to have been cued into new things and adaptations. I'm sort of curious what makes you so much better and different than the rest of us oh, in that regard. I, I wouldn't say that. I definitely wouldn't say that. I just... Again, I, I I think part of it is I love all types of music. I love everything from you know one of the hard things to do about this is getting prepared to pick songs. I mean, I had like two dozen other songs that I could do, and everything from classical, you know, to uh, bluegrass to, to to things like that. And I, for me, I think it's and I still do the same thing. I I, I catch myself that that I'm going to buy the classic songs. I agree with the generational preference. Um, but I also enjoy discovering new things as well. And there are some great new bands that this radio station actually plays a, a quite a bit of, like you know Nirvana. When I found out about uh, after Kurt Cobain died, uh, when I found out about Dave Grohl was starting a new band, that guy's an awesome drummer, and so I had to I had to pay attention to what he was doing, and I just fell in love with with what Foo Fighters and, and their music and what Dave Grohl does. So I've really got into Foo Fighters, but but there are tons of other new bands that I listen to. But for me, Foo Fighters, I think is is for me right now that is probably one of my favorite bands. Easy for you to say. Is that your favorite song today? I mean, do you have a favorite song, or does it change hourly? <laughs> I think it changes hourly. That's a hard question. I don't think I have a favorite song. Whatever I favorite what radio songs. stations used to do, I think they still do those where you vote on like 500 favorite songs of all time. When I was growing up in Philadelphia, there'd be a local station. Every year around New Year's, they'd have this poll. Yep. 
and they'd have the five they'd have the countdown top, top 500 rock songs of all time and the top song was the same one as i recall for a decade it was always Stairway to Heaven. That's so right. there's some songs which just... Now, I'd like to see what would happen now that we've had, like, what, three generations since then of musical listeners, what the top song of all time uh, was. But uh, but there there must be some where you... It, maybe it's not your favorite, but you admire it as the best song of all time. So we've got, we're running out of time now, so I thought we'd just maybe end on you saying which song you most admire... The musicians that you think that was the greatest achievement in music that you know is that something that I can pop on you here I think for me it'd be the stones you you, you see the stones pop up in in movies and television you know you see it on on ads um, you hear it at football stadiums and basketball where you hear start me up you know you hear that song uh, getting the crowd started up so for me i think that band would 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 definitely be the rolling stones well we're always going to listen to you todd thank you for being a colleague and thank you for joining us today thank you appreciate it